Welcome to Training Unleashed, the show that will help you design and deliver training that's off the chain and will make a difference. Now, here's your host, Evan Hackle. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting edition of Training Unleashed and very proud uh, partner with the C-Suite Network. Today, we're going to have an interesting conversation because we're going to be talking about culture and respect. And uh, as uh, anyone who listens to the show knows, I'm very passionate about culture. As I like to say, you either have one that you've defined or you have one that you have not defined. Uh, so this should be really insightful. Our guest today is Greg Ward. He's a speaker, author, executive coach, and an entrepreneur. Um, always nice to see that balance of somebody that not just talks about it, but lives it and, and does it. Um, Greg, I know that you're about culture and respect, but if you could just quickly share, how did you get there? How did you, how did this become your thing? Why, why this topic? Why this point of view? Thank you so much for asking. I've lived a kind of circuitous life and the way I got to it was really quite strange. I was working in New York City as a professional actor, writer, director, and producer. And one day I got involved and asked to be a part of a, the development of a new training program for the New York City Police Department. And the developers were wanting to use live actors uh, in this training seminar. This is way back in the 1980s and nobody did this kind of stuff, let alone the police department. But they asked me to head it up and I put together a team and we created this program and it was so much more effective than anyone thought it would be. And what, what was so interesting for me, who had grown up, and I'd had a few run-ins with the, with the police, I didn't have much respect for the cops, but I really came to understand the dynamic of respect when it came to policing and interactions with the public and so on and so forth, which I really didn't know before. It's tough being a cop. It's also tough if a cop doesn't respect you. And so I really began to explore what does it mean to be respected or not? And how does it play out in relationships? And one way or another, that's the work I've been doing for the past 25 years. Wow, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting. And, you know, I know we're going to talk about your book, The Respectful Leader and such, but I'm going to take a little variation here because the people listening to this show are primarily trainers. Uh, do you still occasionally use actors? And how was that in terms of effectiveness for training? I do. Thanks for asking. It is, um, as you might imagine, as a trainer, uh, it's one thing to create a program uh, an in-person program, which is experiential and has lots of hands-on. It's a whole nother thing to add actors into the mix. And because I come from a theater background and I was able to uh, mesh those two skill sets, uh, I, I, I'm able to do it. Uh, I'll be the first to say it's incredibly labor intensive. It requires not only casting actors, but uh, writing scripts. It, it requires also uh, informing the actors on what's going on with the client, the client's culture, uh, what are the buzzwords that they need to use, because not only do they perform uh, either scenarios or short, short plays at, at the client's site during the training, but they also interact with the client in character in improvisational sessions. Well, they, you probably look for people that do improv, I would Absolutely. But I'd also look for, for real pros 
who are able to fully be in character the whole time, no matter what gets thrown at them. So I still do it. It is uh, labor intensive. It isn't cheap. But if uh, you have a client who really wants to move the needle on mostly on the interpersonal skills, on leadership uh, skills and, and emotional intelligence, if you really want them to move the needle uh, culturally and in skill level, then um, as far as I'm concerned, the use of professional actors can't be beat. It is the best way to do it. Well, I think, you know, all the people on here that are in training know that it's the doing that's the learning, right? Everything yes. else when it's theoretical and to be able to simulate with professional actors like that, I would imagine would be an amazing experience. It is. Most people say to me that they're daunted by it, I must admit, especially when we put them in one-on-one -on -one, uh, sessions where, the, where they have to practice using their skills on the actors who walk and talk just like their employees. Uh, that's very daunting many times. We prep them. We give them lots of uh, preparation for getting involved in that exercise. Uh, but most of them come out of it going, that was the hardest thing I've ever loved to do. I have learned so much that changed my life. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I mean, people just have the most incredible results when they do this work. It's also a lot of fun because the actors are really, really good. And, you know, sometimes the participants will like look at them and, and try to make it, what, what show have I seen you in? And the actor's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. So <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, it's always a lot of fun. It's very interesting. And most people say it's, it's uh, life changing for them. Wow. Yeah. I bet the actors like it too. They love it. They love <laughs> it. And, and we pay pretty good too. Uh, many well, actors. De Niro, Susan Sanders. I've, you know, interestingly enough, when I first developed that program in uh, New York City for the police department way back in the 80s, I did hire some actors who went on to have careers in show business and also in television and film. And any so, names you can share? No, nobody huge. No, no De Niro's of this world. <laughs> Uh, but a, a guy, a performer named Eugene Key, uh, he's done a lot of theater. He's done a lot of musical theater. He's just a super talented guy. Uh, another one named Wynn Harmon. Uh, just a, a bunch of really talented, solid actors. You can count on them. They're, they're, just, they're, they're like uh, the workhorses of the acting world. Wow. Very yep. interesting. Yep. So um, your book is The Respectful Leader, Seven Ways to Influence Without Intimidating. Um, by the way, for the listeners, it's a fable. I love business fables. I think it's really amazing when you can take a business concept and put it into a story. Um, but let, you know, could, could you share uh, with us you know, what some of those seven ways are? Sure. So the story is based on all the different clients that I've worked with in the past 25 years. It's set in a fictional medical device manufacturing firm here in San Diego, where I live. And it's populated by characters who are like the people you work with. I try to make it as real as possible, as realistic, the situations as real as possible, and the dialogue. I really tried to make it something that was believable. And most of all, I, I tried to make it a cracking good story with good characters. Not just a teaching book, if you will, a teaching story, yeah. but just the kind of story that you would want to read just to see what happened. And because I come from a theater background, my father was a writer, I've been a writer my whole life. I, I'm very proud of it as a story by itself. So then 
in the process of reading the story, you come to understand some of the basic things that the, the, the hero of the story, who's the CEO of this company, uh, uses to address all the issues that have come up with disrespect in his company. And so what there are is basically seven fundamental behaviors that you as a leader can engage in. Everything from uh, what I call uh, be the first to respect. Now, don't assume that just because you're a leader that you're uh, deserving of respect. You have to earn the respect of the people you lead. Uh, that's one of them. Another one is, is called finding diamonds in the rough. And, and what that means is, you know what, we know it's our job as leaders to find the problems and solve the problems, but let's catch people doing things right as well. Let's not just always criticize people, but let's also uh, hold them up and acknowledge them for the good things that they're doing. Another, I, I, have, I, yeah. I have a thing, Greg, called the five to one rule. Okay. And it, which is catching people doing something right five times for every one that you don't. I yeah. love that rule. That's an excellent rule. Can I steal that? Yeah, go ahead. Please. Make, make, wait, make yours the five and a half rule. Uh, okay. <laughs> no, but I'll credit you. But when people when people know that you see what they're doing really well and you acknowledge it, then the few times you have you know constructive suggestions, they 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 listen because they don't worry that you're overreacting as, a, right. as, their, as their leader. They don't feel threatened. Yeah. Yeah, and they trust you, and they, and they trust the feedback is honest and intentional, and it's not destructive, and so on and so forth. Unfortunately, a lot of leaders don't do that. They're well, they too busy. They follow the reverse. Yeah. The, the five negative for everyone good. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so it, it, and, and that's, that's another one of the, what we call the respectful do's. One that I have a lot of fun with is, is called get your shift together. And, and get your shift together has to do with your emotional shift. If you're, a, if you're a leader in any kind of organization, chances are people are coming to you with problems and issues all day long. If you allow your emotional reactions to these things, impact others, well, that's going to be infectious. That's going to spread itself throughout the organization, especially if you lose your cool. And so people are going to see that as a behavior that's acceptable, and it's going to lead to a lot of negative fallout. So um, I believe part of being a respectful leader is managing your emotional life very well, getting your emotional shift together. And one of the others I'd like to bring up is around nipping disrespect in the bud. Now, what do I mean by that? Very often, you and I will be involved in doing work together, and we might behave in ways that the other person finds disrespectful, but we don't say anything about it. Or we're in a meeting, for example, and I'm saying something, and then you jump in, and you interrupt me. And then I try to get it, the conversation back, and you interrupt me again. Well, most of us will feel disrespected by that, but again, we're not going to say anything about that because we just don't want to cause any waves. Go along to get along. Go along to get along. Yeah. But what the, sci the neuroscience of respect and disrespect teaches us is that those things add up. And we have a genuine feeling in our gut about those things. And so as a leader, you have to be aware of what your team is doing. And if there's a kind of general behaviors that are considered disrespectful by most people, you got to nip those in the bud early on, because what you and I do is we put them in a gunny sack. 
we, we have a sack, we ca an invisible sack we carry in our shoulders, and we just put those little disrespects into the sack, and after a while, they, the sack gets really heavy, and the next thing you know, we go into HR's office, and we go, we dump the sack out on the table and say, see what they did to me. You need to fix this. And so it's really important as a leader that you catch the stuff early on, nip it in the bud. There's a way to do that without embarrassing anybody and make sure what is a little molehill doesn't grow into a big mountain. How about the reverse? How about when the employee feels disrespected by the manager? And what, what so I'm, I'm an employee, you're my yep. manager. You said something that I felt like you were treating me like you Right. Respect me in whatever fashion. Right. Am and employees are very aware of the power differential, so it's very unlikely you're going to say anything about it. Well, that's right. And, and to my, their boss. The question is, do you recommend the employee say something? Do you recommend yeah. the employee not say something? What, what would you recommend? It, it really depends on the relationship the employee has with their manager. And what, they'll, what often the employee will do is go talk to a buddy and vent to a buddy or maybe if it's just ongoing, they'll go and make a formal complaint with HR, but that is fraught with danger as well. So it depends on your manager, it depends on the culture, it depends on how safe you feel. But let's assume for, the, for argument's sake that your, your manager's fairly a decent human being, but they're unaware that they're being disrespectful towards the employee. Hopefully the employee says, okay, I think I have a strong enough relationship with this manager that I can go to them and say something. There's a way to say it using what I call respectful remarks. For example, telling your boss what you respect them for or giving your boss the benefit of the doubt. Hey, boss, I don't think you meant to disrespect me at that point. I think you were just trying to get something done. And um, here's, here's the impact of it on me. And I hope it's, it's okay that I give you this feedback. So you, it's, it's hard for an employee to do this, but there is a way to do it if you come from a place of, of genuine caring about the relationship rather than coming from a place of you've offended me and I need an apology. Yeah. I, I really actually love the way you phrase that. Thank you. Um, because it really, it's, it's almost like you're respecting the person that you work for, for disrespecting you because you're respecting that they will listen to you. Right. Um, that's very, very cool. Interested in Tortle's learning management system? Why not try it for free today? Tortle is offering a free LMS for up to 25 users. With Tortle's easy-to-use self-authoring tool and free quick start guide, you'll have courses up in no time. Sign up today and you'll experience one of the easiest to use LMSs in the marketplace today. To learn more, visit tortle.com forward slash LMS. Okay, let's, let's shift gears here. And that is, you've got somebody in the company that is, um, trying to think of a nice word for it, but they're just... They're, they're like a high performer, great, let's just say they're great salesperson or great producer, whatever it is they produce, but they're toxic with their personality. Yep. I know where you're going. And leadership may even know about it, but the person's such a senior rainmaker that they don't want to touch them. They yep. want to leave them alone. They give them a pass. Now, you and I know how destructive that can be. 
it not only does it create a lot of animosity towards that person, but it also creates a revolving door environment where no one wants to work for them. And that, that is a real problem that requires the leadership to step in and, and acknowledge the problem. Now, one of the ways that that can be dealt with is uh, hopefully somebody on the leadership team is respected by, let's say it's the head of sales and who's the one who's toxic. Uh, that person who is respected by the head of sales needs to, with the primator of the rest of the leadership team, go to that person privately and in no uncertain terms lay out what the issues are and, and make a formal request that they change. Hopefully there is a, a, enough of a relationship there where the, uh, the head of sales will actually listen and, and accept it. But let's say they don't. Uh, you might want to bring in an outside uh, a coach or a consultant to work with that person. Again, it's, it's all uh, uh, premised on the fact that, you know, they're doing a great job, but they're pissing everybody off. And if they're unwilling to change, doesn't matter who you bring in. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It, does, it doesn't matter at all. And, and then, uh, you know, the final straw has to be the CEO has to sit down with that individual and say, okay, if you do not change, you will no longer be working here. And I don't know that many CEOs who are willing to do that with their head of sales. That's a real well, problem. It, no, it's, it, it's a real problem. And there's also, you know, to some degree, and I found this to be with me in, in, in the businesses I run, a lot of times when, you know, I being the CEO are unaware of how bad it is. Right. You know, I got a little inkling, a little this, and then it's when I've decided to let the person go that 20 people come up to me and say, oh my God, thank you, thank you. What took you so long? Yeah, what took me so long? What took yeah. me so long is no one told me. Right. That's what took me so right. long because they were so fearful. That's right. Um, That's and, right. You know, it's, it's, it, it's, it's, real, it's, really, it's, it's, re it's really difficult. It is. It is. Um, but it's absolutely... A business imperative. Uh, I have a, a laundry list of negative impacts, uh, some metrics on what happens uh, not only with an individual team but an entire culture when leadership engages in repeated disrespectful behaviors. It's very expensive. Yeah. Oh yeah. And uh, you, you, what you do is you lose all the, you lose all the other good people. Yeah. Yeah. And then then you're, that the problem only gets worse. <laughs> Yep. Then you become more dependent on, 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 the, on the bad egg. Okay, yep. let's, let's shift gears here for a second. And um, let's just say you have a good team. That, you know, the team is, is, you know, a reasonably high performer. They get along well with each other. They're respectful. They, they, they have, you know, the ability to really communicate well. How do you, how do you, build on that how do you what's what's the highest level of respect how do you go from good to great that's a great question i think the epitome of a great team is one which engages in behaviors that creates a high level of what google has now called psychological safety and where the team feels safe and and is trusting enough to have open conflict and, and work it through in front of each other, uh, to um, brainstorm very rapidly, 
and yet maintain a high level of respect for each other so that each person feels that they are an equal and, and valued partner on the team. And that's, that's hard to do. That, that, is, that requires leadership really having its ear to the ground on what's going on with the team and, and finding out is, uh, who's copacetic, is, is anybody not feeling like they're part of the team? There's, there's all sorts of uh, awarenesses that have to go on as a leader in order to keep the team at the highest level of psychological safety. Um, there are great teams out there that don't necessarily have a high level of psychological safety because in the short term, they have a very clear goal. It could be a three month, a six month, or even a year goal. And everybody is invested on hitting that goal. And sometimes some people's personalities blow out others and people put up with it. But when the goal is reached, if there is no psychological safety and then leadership says, good job guys, here's the new goal, that team is gonna fall apart because they put the effort in towards the one goal and now they're being asked to do it again. And it was the, the team dynamics were never addressed during the process of hitting the one goal. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, so psychological safety is the, the highest uh, uh, zenith of, team, uh, of teamwork. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, so and respect is right in there, <laughs> absolutely. So I'm enjoying the conversation. We could talk forever, but we can't. Yep. Um, I know you have a great offer. It's, it's a timely offer. And I'd love it if you could both share what the offer is and maybe give some people some sneak peeks into what you cover in the offer. Sure. In, 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 the, in, the, in the offer. Sure. As we're beginning to open up and our economy, we're trying to get our businesses back uh, working together. Uh, my team and I came up with a, it's a booklet really. It's kind of the checklist for how to revitalize and reconnect with a client after a pandemic, basically. And uh, if, if people reach out to me through my organization, respectfulleader.org, uh, excuse me, respectfulleadership.org, uh, we'll that get one, that. Say that one more time because most Res people wasn't yep. If people reach out to me through my organization, respectfulleadership.org, O-R-G, then we'll make sure that they get this booklet. But essentially what we tell people is, look, you're trying to reconnect with a client. First of all, don't make any pandemic jokes. Don't treat it lightly. Uh, it's very serious and you never know who's had a family member who maybe got very sick. Uh, I did. Uh, our family member who, who passed away. Uh, I did not, uh, but you, you don't want to make light of what has happened. And really, the purpose of checking, you're checking in first. You're not selling anything. You're not trying to re-engage that client in buying your products or services. You're just checking in to say, hey, are you okay? And you, you treat it seriously. And then you offer something, and this is my tip, offer something that might be helpful. In my case, I'm offering my checklist to all my clients. Yeah. It could be as something as, as simple as a, uh, maybe your company has a, a little stress ball. And you say, hey, I'm going to send you a stress ball in, in, in the mail. You'll get it in a couple of days. Just, you know, we, we could all use a stress ball. 
But what you don't want to do is sell them anything. You just want to give them something as a little gift, a personal gift, something that they can use. It's a feel-good kind of thing. It is amazing how much people will appreciate that little gesture from somebody they're so used to trying to sell them on something. And it, it, it shifts the relationship. So that's my tip. Don't sell, just reconnect and give a gift from your heart. It will love, go your, love your gift very very timely yeah um, and I would say because you know some people could be listening to this four and five years later because it, it doesn't like disappear you know everything probably in that book is probably accurate for whatever's going on in the world at that time that's a good because point just connecting with people as people uh, really changes the dynamic it really does thank you for pointing that out that's a great point so Greg uh, everyone that listens to the show knows we always ask our guests to share. If you had one tip to share, what would that tip be? Wow. Well, um, people often say to me, do you have any opinions? And I say, many. How much time have you got? Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say right now and for the next foreseeable future, we are... Uh, experiencing extraordinary levels of public disrespect, uh, not only online, but also in our public square and in our discourse. It can be toxic. It can be exhausting. So my tip is disengage from that stuff. Unless that's your job to be involved in that stuff, disengage. Get off the social media for a while. Stop watching the news. Um, get, or get your news from, a, from a, a, a vanilla site like NPR or, or PBS, something that isn't highly politicized. Uh, try to cut yourself some slack because all of that disrespect can be really wearing. And what it does is it makes us all on edge. And, and we start to, to behave in ways that we actually would be ashamed of if we, if we saw ourselves. So my tip is cut yourself some slack back away from all of the negativity and all of the disrespect and focus on what's positive and what you can do to keep your life in a good place rather than go to that negative place. What a great tip. Thank you. Uh, And uh, I I, I know it's actually harder than it sounds. (laughs) It is. (laughs) Because I'm a loose junkie. (laughs) Uh, um, So, uh, Greg, you've been a great guest. I want to thank the audience. I want to thank the, uh, the C-Suite Network. Uh, everyone have a great day. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. This has been Training Unleashed, but it doesn't stop here. Just go to trainingunleashed.net to subscribe to the show. That way, you'll never miss an episode, and you'll be well on your way to delivering training programs that are off the chain. We'll talk to you next time on Training Unleashed. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.